0: You're listening to WERALP, Arlington, Virginia, 96.7 FM, streaming and on demand at WERA.FM. I'm your host, Lynn Borton, and this is Choose to be Curious. Welcome
1: to the Batmobile. Let's go.
0: I'm going to try to make what I think is a pretty credible curiosity case for today's guest, but the truth is... I just wanted to talk to the hottest thing in the comic book world right now because I could. Partly because I don't know a squat about comics, actually, and maybe I'd learn something. Mostly because Tom King is one of the nicest self-described super nerds I've ever known. You'll see. Brian Grazer, who produced A Beautiful Mind, Apollo 13, The Da Vinci Code, Arrested Development, and, I don't know, countless other movies and TV's series, wrote a book a few years ago called A Curious Mind, in which he credits much of his considerable success to curiosity. For 35 years, he's been tracking down police chiefs and astrophysicists and political prisoners, you name it, just to talk to them and learn from them about their life experiences. He calls them his curiosity conversations. And his only rule is that the people he talks to can't be in the movie industry, can't be from his world. So maybe this is a curiosity conversation. Grazer has said, curiosity can give you the courage to be adventurous and ambitious and different. And he goes on, it, it does that by getting you comfortable with being a little uncomfortable. Curiosity gives you power. It's a quiet kind of power, a cumulative power. Curiosity is power for real people. It's power for people who don't have superpowers. And which comic book hero has no superpowers but manages to save the day anyway? Batman. And who writes Batman? Tom King. Told you I could make a case for today's guest. Tom just started his gig as the new writer for Batman. He uh, was already a hit with Grayson, Omega Man, the Sheriff of Babylon, the Vision. I don't know, I'm <laughs> probably forgetting something. And he was recently nominated for an Eisner, which as best I can tell is basically like the Nobel Prize of comics. So people who actually know something about the comic book world think Tom is amazing. And not only that, but he used to be a CIA, counterterrorism operations officer, so yeah. This is a curiosity conversation with a comic-writing ex-spy, a guy who totally gets heroics, both very real and vividly imagined, which makes the selection for my Sound of Arlington this week really easy. Obviously, it has to be the presidential salute battery and their thundering howitzers in honor of American heroes.
2: Our motto is rarely seen, always heard.
0: On a recent visit to the Joint Base Meyer-Henderson Hall, Matt Zerlo explained... Um, The
2: battery had its first mission on January 8, 1953, and we've been maintaining them ever since here at the Old Guard.
0: In fact, the 3rd U.S. Infantry Salute Guns Platoon is the only one of its kind in the Army. This
2: is a four-gun battery any battery outside of the cemetery, Arlington National Cemetery is gonna be four guns. Uh-huh. Um, and they're all gonna fire at three second intervals. Inside the cemetery, you're gonna have a three gun battery and they're gonna fire at a five second interval. Yeah, the, the the salute is dependent on the individual's rank. And then the 21 gun salute is reserved for the president. Right. Yeah, they're, they're awesome pieces. They're, the intricacies of them, they look awesome.
0: And they sound awesome. Except for maybe if you happen to live nearby when they rehearse bright and early every Tuesday morning.
2: You know, we use it as an alarm clock for, uh, for Arl- all of
0: Arlington as a whole. There you go. It's a pretty unique wake-up call. Are there special or not-so-special sounds that start your morning? Let us know. Facebook or Twitter, choose to be curious, hashtag my soundscape. What do you hear as you launch into your day? A good answer might be TMI with Alvin Jones and Ulysses Campbell right here on WERA, 7 to 9 each each weekday morning. Tell them Lynn sent you. You're listening to WERA 96.7 FM. This is Choose to be Curious. I'm Lynn Borton. And enough with the warm-ups. Here's Tom King. Tom, welcome. Thank
3: you so much for having me. What an honor.
0: So you've been uh, pretty phenomenally busy recently, um, like what's up?
3: Yeah, uh, it's a little crazy for me now. Uh, I just had this release of Batman Number One. Like in, in the comic book world, it just means we're sort of starting Batman over. It's only been done twice in seventy-five years' history of the character, so that came out.
0: That's pretty significant. Yeah,
3: and frightening. I love, like ten <laughs> percent significant, ninety percent frightening. Um, and because sort of you have to carry that character and, and write something that could introduce people to the character while still talking to people who've known the character since they were one years old. Um, and that just came out and, uh, and I think we're okay. I think we're okay. Now uh, we're gliding up past it.
0: Oh, so now it's like, Oh yeah. yeah. He was like, no sweat. No sweat, uh, no sweat. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I know it's, so, I mean, no. it's, it's it's crazy just like behind the scenes because I used to be, a, I was a novelist before this, and, you know, when you write a novel, nobody buys it and you feel successful nonetheless. But comic books, hundreds of thousands of people buy them, so it's a whole different world for me
0: yeah, no i have um I have been multiple places trying to buy it actually with no success, so um, that's good news, I think for you congratulations
3: <laughs> yes I, I hope so I hope it's good news or else they just uh, threw them all out, yeah. which is horrible of them. Why would you do that well there's
0: always there's always that yeah. possibility i didn't I didn't ask that question <laughs> <laughs> what is what is this
3: crud Let's throw it out.
0: yeah really, really, so tell me. I mean you you grew up um in the Hollywood universe so Brian Grazer's actually a name known to you. What do you think about his line that um curiosity can give you the courage to be adventurous and ambitious and different?
3: I I heard an interview with him where he talked about this and I loved it. I think it's I think it's utterly essential to sort of especially for a writer, like like writing is basically, you know, weaponized empathy. It's, it's just like trying to get into other people's
1: Ooh. heads,
3: right? And so, like, I, I think people who come to writing usually start from a place of curiosity of sort of like, what is that person's life like? How can I get inside their head? How can I do that? And and, and you, if if you're the kind of person that, like, at parties, you, you want to talk more about the other person than yourself, and you may be a writer kind of.
0: Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. So
3: yeah, I, I think I mean, curiosity is sort of the start of everything. Because once you're curious about someone, then then you get to know them, then you get to find their humanity, and uh, and hopefully that works for making things better.
0: Interesting. So you've actually been um, sort of courageous and adventurous and different and ambitious in a bunch of different ways, haven't you? Th- tell me about that journey. I mean, where do you where do you start that story and you know, in the 92nd version.
3: Oh, God, no, I, I don't think I've ever been courageous <laughs> at anything I, compared to lots of people. But uh, yeah, I did. I mean, It's very odd that I used to be in the CIA. Actually, it's odd everywhere else except in Arlington, right? Right. Um, for, for, I, you know, I, I live in D.C., but I, I travel a lot for books and usually I go places and they're like, oh, the CIA, that's amazing. You know, did you shoot people? Did you kill people? Did you? the world and when you tell people in Arlington they're like oh that's amazing the traffic to Langley is terrible you had to survive that <laughs> you know it's so um, nonchalant everyone's uncle is in the CIA in Arlington um, but yeah I mean I was one of those people who post 9-11 just wanted to do anything to, to help and um, like a million other people I volunteered and what I volunteered for was the CIA mm-hmm. and I ended up doing counterterrorism work overseas um, and domestically um, sort of you know Preventing 9-11 kind of stuff, which is what I always wanted to do. And I did that for six or seven years, depending on how you count. And uh, then I had a kid and sort of couldn't do it anymore. So I took a year off, wrote a novel at night while I took care of the kid during the day. It got published. Mm-hmm. And eventually, D.C. founded it. it. was a novel about superheroes. Um, and
0: a book I've actually read, and one's crowded sky, by the way. I have read this book. <laughs> I can vouch for it.
3: I like it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. and then i got into the comic books through that. And uh, I, I, comic books were always my joy as a little kid. Uh, you know, I was one of those classic sort of kids who got, you know, wasn't good at throwing things or running or, you know, any sort of that thing. But I was really good at sitting in a corner and reading something. When I sat in a corner <laughs> and read comics. So,
0: well, you trained well, Tom. Um, you <laughs> know, so it's good, good job. I try. When <clears> try. <throat> it's funny you mentioned that, you know, here in the D.C. area, the whole uh kind of CIA thing sort of has a different different resonance and when i was first putting together the list of the kinds of people that i wanted to interview for the show i thought of you know journalists and scientists detectives the kind of people we traditionally think of as curious i suppose and and this being dc spy made the list as well and i guess i've never asked you this did you consider yourself a spy yes
3: i mean yeah, I, I guess I would. I mean, when when I tell my kids what I used to do, it's easier to say spy than okay. You know. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, and and are spies curious or is it something else?
3: Oh, I mean, absolutely. I mean, it's kind of different because there's a majority. I mean, when you're in the CIA, the idea is you try to make other people spy on people for you. Like that that's mm-hmm. the mission. Yeah, and you also try to prevent yourself from becoming a spy for other people. So, uh, so, so it's I, almost like the opposite. It's like you're you're recruiting spies and preventing spies.
0: Ah, uh, interesting. That's so interesting. You sa- you've you said elsewhere that in the CIA you're working at both to be empathic but not destroyed by the other. We're getting into the heads of our enemies without becoming our enemy. Talk, talk more about that.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think that's the entire key is to, to the CIA's success: is, is getting as sort of as close to the mindset of the people you're trying to. Um, I mean, fight is not quite the right word, but it's closer than other words. Um, it, it, the The idea, w- without sort of losing yourself, so, I mean, the idea is to t- to understand your enemy and to predict what they're going to do. You can't just ignore them and say, "Okay, that's completely mm-hmm. other. It's completely they're they're totally evil. I'm totally good." The best way is just to you know, try to find, you know, to keep them at a distance. Um, in CIA, the, the calling is you have to talk to them, you have to understand them, you have to see where they're coming from, because if you can do that, then you can predict what they're going to do and manipulate them into doing something uh, better.
0: Uh, uh-huh. So uh, what are the kinds of questions you ask yourself or others to do that?
3: I, I mean, you always try to find... The, I mean, the the first place to start in that kind of process is to find the commonality. Um, mm-hmm. I always think of that old uh, Louis Armstrong song, where it's like a man wants to work for his pay, he wants a woman to call his wife, he wants to give his children a better life.
1: I uh-huh. I, I always started
3: uh-huh. with that, with with sort of talking to people from a completely different world or completely different. And like every, it's, almost every human has those sort of ambitions, you know? You, they want to work for pay, they want to make a living, they they want to find a spouse or love, and they want to. Give their children a better place. I mean, maybe the ways and the means to do that are horrible, but at least you have that sort of goals in common. So we'd start there, and then you sort of expand out and try to see see from their worldview. What are the what are the differences? I mean, uh
0: huh, uh uh-huh. That that commonality, kind of every man thing. Yeah. Interesting. So we've talked a little a bit about this, but I know one of the things that you like about Batman is that he doesn't have superpowers. He's sort of got a little bit of that everyman. Um, talk to me about what you like about that lack of superpower. Yeah,
3: that utterly fascinates me. I mean, when I when I first got the gig to write Batman, I got together with a bunch of my other super nerd friends. They said, why is Batman great? Because Batman is by far the most popular superhero in the in the entire world. And, you know, I, I have a two-year-old kid, and by the time they were one, he knew who Batman was, and, uh-huh, and you can uh-huh. travel to... I mean, I've traveled to the craziest corners of the world where Western influences, you know, at its, at its other... There's, like, zero of it, and you'll find a Batman toy the kids are playing with. Wow. I mean, so he's just, it's
0: really he's universal. He's everywhere.
3: Um, and the question of why that is or why he sort of has that appeal, and the answer kept coming back to the fact that he sort of is us, that he's a man among the sort of this, mm-hmm. this world of mm-hmm. gods that we create in these superhero universes. And it's so the idea that on some level, you could become Batman if you were as obsessed with what he's obsessed with. I mean, there's something just utterly existential about it, the idea that if you had one goal in your life, if you put everything aside and just had that one goal, then you could be as powerful as Superman. But you'd have to make every sacrifice to do that.
0: Oh Wow, that's huge, Tom. No wonder you like this well, I'm saying, dude. yeah. <laughs> I can see your philosophy, uh, you know, that's right. no, yeah. coming out here.
3: There's but there's also, like, <laughs> Batmobiles crashing into there.
0: That's, so oh, we, we try that's to make it up. That's great. So Brian Grazer says curiosity is power for people who don't have superpowers. So the obvious question is, is Batman curious? Oh, of course,
3: yes. I mean, Batman's known as I mean, one of his many monkeys, the world's greatest detective. So he's supposed to be as good a detective as Sherlock Holmes, if you think of him that way. And I think think that's a really curious If you think about, I mean, sort of, he has one of those classic hero myth things um, in his origin story, where you know his parents die, and he dedicates himself to sort of becoming a better man. But the way he does it is, he doesn't stay in, in Gotham City or in his cave and um, just watch TV or you know think about himself and train. What he does is he goes out into the world, like he disappears for eleven years, and and he lives in every single place he can and finds out what you know. He he becomes a horrible person. He becomes a better person. He becomes a robber. He becomes a villain. He trains as many people. So, like the the way he becomes supers through curiosity, I would
0: say. uh, Told you that my dad is a big Batman fan. Hi, Dad. Nerd. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Since way back, like he's seen all of those different iterations. (laughs) Um, He's also a big curiosity fan. And when I was growing up, it used to say, if you change your point of view, you will see something new. And one of the things that I find most interesting about comic books and graphic novels is this use of changed perspective in the images, sure. and, you know, close-ups and weird angles, and you kind of warp time and space through the way you use frames on a page. Uh, do you think of it that way? I mean, do you think about sort of changing that point of view as a function of your work,
3: yeah, absolutely. I mean, comics—you try as much as you can for sort of the form to imitate the function, but basically because comics is a very visual medium. I mean, I'm a writer, so I write scripts, you know, and then someone else draws them. But my intention is not to put the best words on the page. I try my best to do that, but that's not success for me. But the best thing is to, to create something where. You merge an image with the words, and it creates a different mm-hmm. experience. Mm-hmm. And so when you're trying to get a point across about a certain, you know, if you want to say something about the you know, heart of Batman or, or you know, all that stuff I just said about Kirkyard, I mean, one way to do it is just be like, okay, splash, Batman jumping off a roof, and I have some monologue running over it, like Batman is always dedicated to do something. It's like the most boring way to present it. There's, if someone's curious, they won't be interested in that. Uh-huh, um, uh-huh it's much better to sort of be like okay you know we're, we're looking at the perspective of batman looking at something he's never seen before and let the reader sort of get into those eyes and sort of experience that way and draw them into the story you know it's old show don't tell that they teach you in fifth grade but hopefully at a much nerdier level
0: <laughs> you know you got to stop with the like nerd as a deprecating word thing it's uh it's i as i've Watched your career and also kind of looked more at graphic novels. Not a not a genre I had really paid a lot of attention to. It's so rich, you know. It's one of these um, show don't tell kind of open a door, as Carolyn uh, Rachar said in a previous show, for curiosity. It's like you wonder what more is in that story than just the frame or just the few words. It's uh, you know props to you. It's pretty cool. <laughs> I
3: mean, graphic storytelling is, I mean, it's as human as reading. I mean, you know, it's been around for 5,000 years. It'll be around for five, as long as there are people and pictures and words that'll exist. So, I mean, there's nothing nerdy about it. It's utterly true. I mean, um, superheroes, on their hand, are something a little new and almost an American invention. And the combination of those two things, the graphic storytelling and superheroes, became this sort of bizarre genre slash art form that we have I mean it's very American it's very jazz it was invented by sort of Jews and sons of immigrants in the nineteen thir- in the 1920s and 30s uh-huh. um, and I'm sort of very proud to work in that medium and I, I say nerd in the nicest way possible
0: <laughs> yeah, I come from a family where it's actually a compliment but <laughs> right yeah yeah I think we need to take back nerd. We're That's right. So you've talked a little bit about this, but are there other ways that you think of um, curiosity playing out for you as a writer or for your readers or even for you as a reader of other writers? I mean,
3: I think the trap a lot of writers find themselves in, and I feel like I'm sometimes falling in the trap, is, is that you... As a writer, I'm basically sitting in a room for eight hours a day typing at my computer mm-hmm. and, you know, looking at the leaves outside my window. And I was fortunate enough to sort of have this CIA experience, you know, to do that for however long. And so I can draw upon that as much as I can. But I can see as the years go past, you know, there's only so much you can draw from that. And, and then you you start almost cannibalizing yourself because what, what can you write on but sort of postmodern about a guy in a room or, or you maybe just want to write you know, you you write through what you absorb. You know, I watch Game of Thrones. So I'll pitch some Game of Thrones thing or something mm-hmm. like that. So, I mean, I think it's always, always you can't lose that sense of curiosity. You still have to go out into the world. You still have to ask people questions. You still have to learn from that. If you're just if you're just writing about something you're watching, and not about something you're experiencing, then
1: mm-hmm. eventually it goes mm-hmm.
3: dry and becomes fake. I
1: think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, you had a great line about um, having to had the experience of having to fight your way through a line of people who really wanted to sign up for, like, Pretty Ponies or something, right, in order to kind of make yourself visible. And I thought it's it's such a rich, deep well of personal experience that, um, that you seem to tap into for your storytelling, for this, you know, guy in a mask and a, and a cape. And for the record, you know, uh, uh, Seth, my younger son, had a Batman costume I made for him as a kid, and, like, he wore that thing... Um, until he couldn't wear it anymore like physically he couldn't fit into it anymore but it speaks to something it really does
3: yeah i mean superheroes are what westerns were 50 years ago Um, Uh i mean it's like uh it's it's a a place to put our metaphors like almost like a box to put them all in you know Mm. it's a way to distill storytelling into a simple way and um, so when you when you come to Batman, you don't have to sort of learn his background. You don't have to waste time with that. You can go right into the story. Oh, That's sort of nice. like when you're in, you know, when you're an old western, you're like you didn't have to. You don't have to explain the world of a western to someone in the nineteen fifties. You don't have to explain the world of superheroes to someone now. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And
0: yeah, so Batman. a yeah, uh, Batman Batman has a. Um, a reputation, maybe, for being a man of few words. <laughs>
3: yeah, <laughs> he's very laconic. Unfortunately, <laughs> he laconic.
0: Is, yeah, unfortunately, laconic. Um, but obviously, a man who appreciates a metaphor and analogy. Um, so, I want I want you to help me out with some analogies here, right? I, war- I warned you about this. All right, right? I'm ready. Okay. Okay. So I picked out uh, three: one for you, one for me, and one for our audience, because we had somebody ask that they could have an analogy. So. Your task, um, should you choose to accept it, I'm messing with my spy shows here, <laughs> um, is I'm going to mix these up, so I don't, know, I don't know which of us is getting which. Um, your task is to make a metaphor to curiosity with the word laughter. I'm going to do it with, oh man, rowing a boat, and our audience will get um, chocolate. So, uh, Tom, you want to make an analogy to laughter with curiosity?
3: Curiosity is to laughter as to. This is like a...
0: Well, yeah, you can do it that way or like, let's see, if I were to say curiosity is like rowing a boat um, because it can get you from one place to another, but it can be a little tippy <laughs> sometimes. And if you're not careful, you're going to get very, very wet. <laughs> I love it. All right. All right, your turn.
3: Um, Curiosity is like laughter, uh, because it's something you need in your life, you want in your life, and too often you find yourself pretending you have it.
0: Oh. Ooh. Wow. The dark side of Batman There comes
3: you go. Back. There you go. Man.
0: You are just a fully integrated human being, Tom. I kid. try. I try. <laughs> I
3: integrate where I can.
0: Yeah, Well, thank you so much uh, for joining us today. Um, this is a lot of fun, and maybe we can get you back on the Fantastic Forum and some of the other WERA shows. But, uh, but well,
1: what
3: a pleasure to be on the show.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you. You're listening to uh, WERALP 96.7 FM, streaming and on demand at WERA.FM. Yeah. Special thanks to our guests, Tom King, as well as the folks at the Joint Base who've been so helpful Roy Kroon, Lauren Wheeler, Matt Serlo, and of course, Antonio Villaronga, heroes all. Do you know something about curiosity? Are you wondering about curiosity? Join the conversation on Facebook and Twitter. Choose to be curious, all run together on Facebook, or choose number two, letter B, curious on Twitter, just to make it interesting. Don't forget to send us your analogy to chocolate. Hashtag analogy and let us know about the sounds that start your day. Hashtag my soundscape. What curiosity conversations will you have? Go ahead. Choose to be curious. All
1: around the world and back. You can fly or sail or ride a sail. arrive a real Track. But no matter Where you go You're gonna find That people Have the same things On their minds A man wants to work for his pay, man wants a place in the sun, man wants a gal proud to say that she'll become his loving wife, he wants a chance to give his kids a better life.